<laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just gotta let it ride out and feel it for a minute. But y'all, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, podcast about all the nerdy things you love and enjoy, or we love and enjoy. But you as well, hopefully. Um, we don't like these things. Yeah, we just, we just we're, yeah. we're here for the money, and that's it. <laughs> yes, there are, yeah, dozens of dollars yes. in this for us. So. But welcome, y'all. As always, we your co we we're I can speak your co hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake, and today we're here to talk a little critical role. But before we get into that, how are you doing, my friend? Good. I was trying to channel. My son, my two-year-old, whenever yeah. I leave the house, he goes to the door and he goes, <laughs> that's his goodbye. I don't know. He just stands at the door and he goes, <laughs> I respect it. You know, I'm always like, okay. <laughs> All right. We'll and you're driving you away. You're like, is my kid weird? <laughs> so anyway. Takes after his dad. Probably true. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. It's end of the day. It's been a long week. Um, how about yourself? How are you? doing good as well um a little tired and you know i won't go there for everyone's sake but i broke my rule because i am tired and i'm having a, a little coffee later than i normally would like to but are you though because it's four o'clock now and i feel like we typically record in the three to four range and you always got a cup man well like I, three is my cutoff time you <clears throat> listen like I gotta make it before three, but like I'll sip on a coffee for like forty five minutes. So you know, like I feel like there's been a little bit of a saga of like <laughs> the last year, like you just accepting who you are. That's I mean, I I do, you know, I do, but I just you know, yeah, I don't know. I Maybe I need to talk to somebody about this and learn well, to Mike accept always, myself. Well, Mike, yeah, that's nice, man. Um, my <laughs> Mike. <laughs> My mic keeps, it's weird, man. You know, sometimes like your volume, like the computer changes your volume. Oh yeah. My, it's doing, I don't know why it does this, but sometimes it changes it from 70 down to 40. And I don't know why I've looked everywhere. I cannot find where it does this or why it does it. Other than it just makes it really annoying when I'm cutting the recap and like our volumes are totally off and I have to yeah. go in and like try to equalize it and all this stuff. But this time I actually looked in advance and was like nope i'm a lot quieter and sure enough it was set down to 40 so yeah i had the same issue when i was back when i streamed all the time every time it reset and i had to like adjust my mic setting settings literally before every stream um i also don't know if it's me or if it's you or maybe it's because we're like hyper focused on talking about mics but i heard some of that like noise when you were talking crickly crackly right now yeah just a little like not it wasn't bad but just a little bit all right, let's take a look here. Let's see what's going on here, you know? Check, yeah. check, check, check. Okay, see if that... I think it, it hasn't happened again, it. so... Yeah, that might be make it okay then. Boom. So, okay, um, well, um, announcements. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going as well. Um, I, I was just the usual, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if you have anything else, but I'll run through the usual real quick. The Witcher Season 2. Yep. No. <laughs> season three. Now. We got it. We really just oh. got to get to season three now. <laughs> yeah. um, I still haven't watched it, but I do plan on it. Um, With, uh, Henry Cavill. <laughs> Cavill, as, as some might say. Uh, I feel like Cavill is more British, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he is English, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah. But it is Cavill, just for the record, for anybody out there. Um, uh, Discord. Join the Discord. There will be a link down below. We've got um, the, the re- the reemergence can't think of the word I'm looking for here, but 
the reemergence of our watch parties this Sunday. Um, yep. So come watching, hang out. For uh, that. We're watching Blue Sub Six. It's a anime movie miniseries dubbed as a movie um, from Old School Toonami. So you can check that out this Sunday at seven. 30 that's right yep. uh, excited for that but as always in addition to stuff like that we've always got great people chatting around the discord we do live chats for critical role episodes uh, which there's not one this week but there is a new candela and there will definitely be people in there chatting for that so come hang out there um, other than that we've got our live stream this friday at 1 p.m central time <clears throat> um, always a good time there just come chat with us about you know anything Anything really, but you know, especially D and D, Critical Role, Worlds Beyond related. Uh, Thai Someone food. comes in and like has a question about like some like geopolitical, like <laughs> serious issue. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> give us some softballs instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Typically, we talk a lot D and D, Critical Role, Worlds Beyond. We talk like everybody's favorite theories, um, what's going to happen. Especially though, D and D though, if you have questions about great DMing, great sessions, uh, maybe a problem you're facing at your table that you want to get our perspective on, you can always uh, throw that into the actual stream chat. But then we also, in our Discord, we have a channel called Pixelit's live stream that you can put questions in there or in like the D and D channel is fine as well. So we typically talk about those things there. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, you guys are going to get sick of us saying this, but uh, if you're not checking out Worlds Beyond Number yet, you should. Um, this is a great time to jump in because the episode of that show that came out today was the end of an arc. And after each end of an arc, they take a break. So um, be a perfect time to catch up if you've been, you know, just waiting for a good excuse. Um, it's fantastic. I actually have, have not listened to the finale yet. No. Have, you, have you? I did. It was Whole very... thing? I have about 20 minutes left, but yeah, pretty much done with it. Good. Very, very good. I'm excited. Yeah. Just, I think I'm going to hit beautiful. it this weekend. It's just beautiful, man. Yeah. Taylor it's good. Moore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Y'all need to, y'all need to watch it and join us over in uh, that community as well. Cause it's uh you won't regret it. Yeah. Um, but anything else? No, sir. Well, alrighty. In that case, let's get down to business here. Um, today we're going to be talking about Critical Role episode 86. And as always, we like to launch into a recap before we get into our in-depth discussion. Uh, and we cut that recap out and host it separately on YouTube for your convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on that recap video and you want to hear our full thoughts and discussion on the episode, it will be linked down in the description below. So let me just pull up my notes here. Alrighty. So for, again, episode 86 called Doorways to Darker Depths. Um, we pick up right where we left off with Fern having been seemingly transported to a new place altogether. Um, after traveling through this, you know, underwater tunnel, if you will, um, on Ruidus. So she actually quickly realizes that this is Exandria, I think because they can see Katha from where they are. Yeah. Um, so she can't communicate with the rest of Bell's Hells. Uh, so she decides to swim back and kind of fill them in on what she found through this portal tunnel, if you will. Um, so the party discusses for a while, like what they should do because they are very like exhausted. Um, they need to rest. So they're like, should we rest here? Should we go through and rest over there? Like, we don't know what we're going to find over there. What if we get in a fight? So they go through this for a bit, but they ultimately decide to all travel through to Exandria together 
and then basically get in their mist forms to be like have, have some level of safety and just investigate what's over there. So they do just that and begin to look around this lake area and they see that there's like the small village town on kind of one of the edges of this lake, but it appears to be completely abandoned. Um, but what's weird is like houses are still like fully furnished, like as if people just kind of like up and disappeared. Not that like the place was, you know, intentionally abandoned. Um, there's dust everywhere and like the plants are overgrown. So <clears throat> the party kind of splits up a little bit to investigate different parts of this town. And Orem and Ladna go to look for like a clerk's office or like the town hall to see if they can find some records. And they eventually find just such a building. Um, they find some records and they realize that this place is called, I might be mispronouncing this, Ria Duin. Um, haven't heard it pronounced since Thursday, so I can't remember how Matt yeah. said it. I think it was Riadun. Riadun, okay. Or, or Riadun. That remember. sounds right. Um, yeah. So that's the name of this place. And amongst the records, they also find that the lake is called Lake Umamu. And that there are just um, records of like birth certificates, death certificates, like different conflicts that happened in the town. Um, but interestingly, they find some records about uh, people just up and missing, like up and disappearing. Um, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And specifically, there is a record of a fishmonger saying that he saw somebody walk into the lake one night and then like wasn't seen again. And then the fishmonger himself disappeared shortly after that. So um, we then cut to like FCG, who has, I guess, demystified at this point um, and cast speak with animals. Or It's not important, but I can't remember if he cast that while in mist form or not. It's not important. FCG cast speak with animals on a nearby bird to basically get some information about what's going on here. And the bird's <laughs> like, yeah, this place has been abandoned for a long time. It's been like five years since I saw anybody here. Um, so FCG asks about like, are there any monsters in the lake or anything? And the bird's like, I haven't seen anything like that, but people that do come through here do end up like going into the lake and then I don't see them again. So <clears throat> the party kind of like reconvenes and discusses like, well, okay, what should we do? Like, should we rest here? There's kind of some weird vibes. Like maybe that's not the best move. Um, and meanwhile, Imogen has collected several things from around this town to basically go give to Keyleth. Um, so they could teleport here. Like she's doing that just in case um, they need something like that. And Ashton has gone to investigate like the richest house uh, that they could find to see if there's anything there. But none of that really comes up with anything. So um, <clears throat> Chetney ultimately says like, hey, Imogen, can you just like open up your mind powers and see if like you can sense anything around here? Um, and she doesn't feel anything. So they ultimately decide, let's go back to that nice home that Ashton had checked out and maybe just rest. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see what's up after that. So they do that. Um, a couple things happen. FCG casts identify on some of the loot that they had taken, uh, specifically the ring from the will master. And we realize that this is a ring of life awareness that basically like sends out a signal should something happen to the wearer. So somebody out there knows that the will master is dead. Um, Chetney makes a new toy that is seemingly representative of a new feat that Travis has. Um, we don't find any out any more out about this right now, but um, presumably from his deal with Nana Mori, I think. Um, Orem then tries to contact Caleb with the Sinning Stone <clears throat> and tells him where they are. And to everyone's surprise, the Sinning Stone actually works. 
So Imogen actually then uses her sending spells uh, to message Caleb and is like, are you okay? Like, here's what's going on here. Where we are. Here's where we are. And he says, yeah, I'm okay. I don't know why sending spells are working all of a sudden. Um, but then like the message runs out, like the 25 word limit runs out. Um, so Imogen then sends one to Keyleth, kind of filling her in as well, letting her know like where they think they are and briefly what they discovered while on Rudis. And Keyleth's like, I'm handling some business, but <clears throat> I'll come meet up with you like tomorrow. We can talk more. And Imogen's like, well, we need to we need to go back to Ruidus. Like there's more for us to find out. Um, so we're going to like leave a trail for you to where this portal is that is like a back door from Ruidus. And in the morning, we're going to go back and like investigate more of this capital city and stuff. And so cool. Uh, but then Imogen gets a message from Jester uh, and she's like, uh, Caleb asked me to check in on you guys and um, they, it's a fun little convo, but like not too much is, is revealed. If you will, they just kind of introduce each other and, you know, find out that Caleb is indeed. Okay. Uh, so Orem then tries the sending stone again to Dorian, basically like, Hey Dorian, are you okay? Uh, but there's no response, but instead Orem starts to hear something outside and he thinks it is Dorian. The party's like, what do you mean? Like Dorian's not outside, bro. Uh, but Orem's like convinced and he's like, I'm going outside to look. Um, so like Ashton gets in Orem's way and is like, you're not going out there. Like, this is weird. But then Ashton starts to hear something and is like, you know what? Actually, I think Dorian is out there. And he's like, let's go. Um, <laughs> and then FCG and Chetney also get like this weird compulsion to go outside and to look in the lake. Uh, meanwhile, Laudna, Imogen and Fern do not have this. And they're like, what are you guys doing? But <clears throat> they ultimately can't stop them. Um, Ladna does send Pate out to go look, but rolls terribly so he can't see anything. And so all the all the guys go start walking into the lake. Um, and Imogen actually casts command on them to be like, hey, stop, turn around. But uh, and it works on everybody except Ashton. So Ashton continues to walk into the water. The other three turn around. But as command only lasts for one round or six seconds, the three of them then turn back around and start going into the lake once more um i believe imogen once again like reaches out with her mind and can feel another presence here like some sort of intelligence both behind them and below them and so she turns around and ashton has dived underwater at this point and that's where we go to break on the first half yeah so coming out of the break um basically ladna imogen and fern are like what do we do and matt does this brilliant characterization of FCG, Ashton, Orem, and Chetney just deeply needing to get to the bottom of the lake. And the way Matt describes it is like, this is where you were always meant to be. Um, this is essentially home. Like, you need to make it to the bottom of this lake. And meanwhile, like I said, Ladna, Fern, and Imogen are like, what can we do to stop this? Um, Fern's going to try a few different things. She has the idea to do Scorching Ray and is like, well, we're underwater. She has the idea to summon Mister, but again, it's a fire elemental underwater. Um, Imogen, I think, casts, um, I think, attacks attacks one of them, I think, to try to break the spell. Uh, but the star moment is Ladna casts Animate Object on, I think it was like a rickety boat that was either yeah. like short shipwrecked on like the dock or like on a <coughs> on the shore or maybe even underwater. Excuse I can't me. remember. Yeah, it was like she, a wrecked boat underneath. Animate object on a boat and uh, a long piece of rope 
to which Matt immediately characterizes. We find out later that this is all in Ladna's head, but um, I think their names are Bodhi and Rope, maybe? Yeah. Bodhi and Ropey, I think, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and just the best characters in Critical Role. Um, and uh, uh, Ladna immediately assumes the uh, role of captain and basically commands them, like, go get our friends. Uh, so the ship and the rope go deeper underwater. Um, there's also uh, another charisma saving throw that the um, four guys have to, the, the guys at the table have to roll. Three of them are successful. Ashton is unsuccessful. Ashton has a negative two to charisma, and three of them basically snap out of it, except for Ashton, who's just going deeper towards the bottom. At the bottom, they realize, like, amongst, like, the sand and soot and dirt, a number of skeletons, skulls, bones, things like that at the bottom. And Matt describes, like, almost like these tendrils-like hair, uh, these black tendrils that are sort of, like, waving in the water and that essentially embrace Ashton and sort of cradle him almost like a baby uh, in the sense of, like, this, this is home. Like, you're in the right place. Um, we do get a really cool detail of Orem casting Misty Step, which seems to confirm that he now has the Fae Touched feet, which we'll talk about in our episode discussion, uh, and is going to Misty Step basically to Ashton to uh, try and attack Ashton to break Ashton out of it. Um, and I'm trying to think what else happened in terms of them trying to get everybody out. Um, oh, we also get confirmation about Fern because uh, while they're going deeper, there's this immense cold damage that's happening uh, from whatever this entity is at the bottom of the lake. We know that Fern talks about her chill from the grave feet that she got from the Dread Captain by giving him her warmth uh, several episodes prior at the Shattered Teeth. And this makes her resistant to cold damage. Um so she's successful on a save against it. So she takes half damage. And then this, I think, gives her like a full either damage removal or half of even that. I can't, I can't remember. Um, all that to say, Ashton does eventually snap out of it. Um, FCG is going to cast Turn Undead. Fails the first time. The second time, the creature fails. And it seemingly relinquishes its grasp on Ashton and the party. And uh, they are basically able to finally escape um but not before uh Orum wants to grab one of the skulls that are at the bottom uh and even gets captured himself for a brief moment before this turn undead uh is successful uh they get back to the shore um they uh Laudan has a bit of a life crisis of uh Bodhi and Ropey um the spell ending and them returning uh she has this comment about like the frailty of life um which was just pretty <laughs> funny um and they ultimately decide we we need to get back to ruidus we need to get back to ruidus and we need to leave a trail for uh keyleth and whoever else comes to let them know how to get to uh ruidus so they go back through the portal um back through the cave that leads back to this like seemingly like temple grounds like deep beneath the earth of ruidus and it's here where they take a long rest um, before we, they take the long rest, a couple of things that happen. Um, Orem is wondering why Dorian didn't respond to the Sending Stone. Uh, and then separately, Ladna steals away and has a conversation with Delilah. 
and is like, Delilah, like, what's our end game? Like, what are we trying to do here? And Delilah's like, you know, continue to consume items of power, continue to feed me. And then you'll be able to protect the people you love, the one you love, seemingly Imogen. I almost thought it to be like, you know, like Ashton, right? <laughs> um, so basically saying like, hey, if you want to protect the ones you love, we got to keep doing this thing. Uh, to which Lada is kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, I'm all, I'm all about it. Um, and the party gets a long rest. Uh, they awake. They have to make a decision on if they should climb back to the very top or if they should take one of the various tunnels um, beneath the Earth of Rudis. They know they don't have many of the buffs that they had going into the previous day when they first uh, uh, snuck into Rudis, for lack of a better phrasing. So they do ultimately decide to stick to one of the tunnels, which uh, I can't remember what Matt described it as, like a not a tunnel worm, but like a, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. like the name, one of them's insightful to like a creature that has basically dug these tunnels um, right. and almost even like implies it's almost like a subway. Uh, that's come through and like dug out this tunnel. They go down through this tunnel for a few hours before they finally make it to the end of a tunnel, which has collapsed in. And it's rather than going backwards, they actually have Ashton uh, activate his shard of Kumort where he can do his um, earth sliding. I can't remember the D and D the five E term for it, but um, Ashton becomes one with the earth and immediately um, goes into the rock and realizes that, there are a number of number of tunnels all around them, but there is a way that he can take them all the way to the surface, which isn't far away. Um, they go to the surface, they travel for another few hours. And once they, they get to a point essentially where um, the ground lights up like in a bright light and it is a ruidous flare. Um, everyone is almost blinded by it, but they do see Fern and Imogen uh, Imogen actually is lifted up into the air like 20 feet and Matt describes Fern and Imogen being in a state of total euphoria as this flare happens. He also tells the two of them that they've received 15 temporary hit points and they also realize that likely everyone who's Ruidus born is also getting those same bonuses. Uh, one other detail that happens in this episode is they do look at the second ring that the... Um, uh, not the Taskmaster, I can't think of her name. Uh, the Willmaster. Um, the Willmaster had. It is a ring of protection. They consume it with the harness, um, which grants the benefit of two permanent hit points, which is kind of cool. Um, and then also, I can't remember who actually consumed it. I think it was um, Laudna. Laudna gets advantage on all of her uh, attack rolls and uh, ability checks till the next long rest. So uh, a boon for the day, in addition to the two permanent hit points. Um, they continue traveling, and they do finally see a large mountain range with a valley cut between it. And they see what seems to be the edge of the city of Kaviris, uh, to which Chetney jokes that we're going to storm the castle and kill them all. <laughs> uh, and that is where the episode ends. Episode 86 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role. So... Uh, if you're watching just our recap, don't forget we have our full episode discussion. Just click the link below and let us know what you thought about the episode as well. So, pop, 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 pop. Well All right, my friend. Um, let's go a little retro today. What'd you okay. think of the episode? Okay. Uh, this was a fun episode, man. Um, it was. Especially, especially the first half, you know, with this kind of like spooky mystery in the town and, um, 
It was really fun on the watch party. Yeah, so, yeah, it was. That was really fun. Um, so you know, again, plug for the Discord if if you're if you guys are looking for um fun people to watch with. It w- it was a really good time last week. Uh, but yeah, I the the first half of the episode was really fun, and that's not to say that the second half wasn't. Um, but I just really liked that kind of small encounter yeah. that Matt had set up yeah. and the whole vibe of that that town. Have um, you read anything as to what that was? No, I actually haven't. Um, okay. So I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I'm curious too what that was. Yeah, but cool. Uh, I can't. There's a there's a D and D monster I'm thinking of that has like a crazy name. Um, but the one I'm thinking of isn't like un undead or mm. at the bottom of a lake, but it could similarly like give players like visions and compulsions. Um, so it might have even been like a homebrew that Matt kind of like you know, took some pieces from here and there. Um, but yeah, let us know in the comments if that is like a specific 5e monster. Cause I would like to know. Yeah. Um, or if it's inspired, if you yeah. think it's inspired by a certain one, because yeah. Matt has a, a lot of great DMS, but um, we'll take a monster and tweak it a little bit. So um, I'm definitely curious. <clears throat> I think, I think I, I wonder if it was an aberration or if it was undead, I, I would guess undead because of, um, the fact that Chetney did the 50 necrotic damage and it was, I think, immune to it, I think is what Matt said. Something like that. Um, so I'm curious about that. But um, yeah, that town was interesting. I yeah. I was all in on a theory of it being Ludinus's hometown. Um, but I'm not so away from that, though. I'm, I'm on the... There's been this big question mark of we know Ludinus is not... Rudus born, or it's at least been implied. We don't know he has it, but it's been implied. Well, he didn't he say he wasn't, which or how do we think, know that? I don't think he they were in the office of the professor in wherever that was. Yes. And they yeah, I think they asked him directly and he like hesitated and said, I've spoken with Pradathos. So it almost felt like he's not, but he's had conversations. I, I think. I yeah. Think that's I don't remember the exact line either, but I feel pretty confident that we know he's not Rudus born for some reason. So point being, we know he's originally from Asilra. Right. So could he, could this be like a summer home? Like went here for the summers or something and found, found the portal to Ruidus? Or do we think that this portal opened up after the Malleus key created the bloody bridge. Yeah. I I'm wondering all of this too. Cause like, I feel like it, I feel like, I feel like I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. This portal in this lake, I don't think is how like Ludinus made connection. Okay. That's not to say that like, he still couldn't be tied to it in some way for some purpose, but it doesn't make sense to me that like, that's how he found Pradathos because <clears throat> I don't know I mean maybe it is though I mean who knows but it is interesting that that town is in Asilra um, like maybe maybe it's proximity for leading to Ludinus's hometown should they come back through this back door and it's like maybe that's like a next plot point to investigate potentially or something um, but I did like kind of the the what's the word I'm like, not meta, but like the in-world explanation for, hold on, before I go there, the other point you're talking about is, did this portal work before the bloody bridge? That's a really interesting question for me, because like, there was a divine gate-esque 
kind of lock mm. on the world, right? So you would think that even if they didn't know about this portal, like we got to, you know, like in my mind, the divine gate doesn't require a necessity of knowledge to plug all these port portholes. You know, it would just be like, you did the divine gate, the whole thing's locked off. Is that like, what do you think? Part of me wonders if Matt is like homebrewing some kind of like element of like the water plane being like a factor of it is that it can, it can transcend the divine gate or like mm. barriers like that. Cause I think about the other episode really early on where firm was in like the water pot or whatever. Right. right. And like something similar happened. Yeah. So she like seemingly went to the elemental plane of water. Yeah. So like, I wonder if there's like something happening there that the gods didn't like, didn't realize that Exandia and Exandria and Ruidus are like just forever interconnected. Like they did, they did the divine gate, but maybe it is porous. Maybe there is like incredibly, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the other explanation is like with the bloody bridge, it's like, not only is it removing the divine gate, but it's actually like re coalescing. You know, it's like taking, it's like if you had a magnet and you put something between them and then you removed that thing, those things would come back together. Like, I almost mm. wonder if the gods pulled them apart and now it's like, we're seeing the literal physical manifestation of them coming back Yeah. of like these portals opening up and these. So, I mean, I, which, which, and I say portals plural because I don't think this is the only back door. Yeah. I, think, I mean, yeah, I, I would assume they're all over the place and the, otherwise it's like, you know, on the planet of Ruidus, they happen to go into the one crack that, right. You know, it's, it's two, one in a million for me. So I, I feel like these things are either popping up or it's maybe the divine gate wasn't as solid as they thought it was. Cause we know it's a pre, it's a pre uh, calamity divine gate or, um, not calamity. Um, pre divine gate, divine gate. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> what was that moment called? That's uh, sundering. The, uh, um, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't either. Now when they, the top when they of my split head. with the primordials and the betrayer gods were, so there was the schism, which I think that's that, yeah. but I Isn't don't that think that's thinking? when they made the divine gate. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I think that's when like the the fracture happened, but then I that's don't right. think like the if there's an actual like was after the calamity, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. But I don't they've, know. They've had a lot of iterations of it. Point being, and Rudis was the first iteration. So like yeah. you know, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if version A, version 1.0, had a little, you know, some issues with it. Yeah, I I could it, either way. I'm fine with. But yeah. my gut instinct right now is it makes more sense to me if this only happened because of the bloody bridge. Like now that that first hole has been punched through, these other ways yeah. are now possible. Um, now, yeah. again, <clears throat> there's like, well, OK, the water has clearly like been traveling through enough to carve out a tunnel. So like surely that wouldn't have happened over the course of like, you know, however long the gate's been open. But um you know, who know, like maybe the water carved out the tunnels like before the divine gate. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, not important, but it would make more sense to me if that. Well, OK, I say that. But one of the things you said actually made a lot of sense to me as well, that maybe just 
um, a cool connection because we've got gods, mortals, primordials, like maybe some facet of how the primordials work usurp the divine gate. So like if it is mm. the elemental plane of water, which I guess it's not because this is just water on Exandria. Mm. So maybe this doesn't make sense, but I could see a cool angle there of like the primordials kind of have like a weird seep through and, you yeah. know, maybe that's like we, they can be utilized in this battle or something. Wasn't um, there in the, in the bottom of the crevasse, like the cave wasn't, uh, there were bones, but I feel like, am I misremembering? Didn't Matt describe it? It was almost like a temple or like, like a, Maybe temple's too strong of a word. Like it was something in the in Rudis, you mean? In Rudis, like the place that yeah. they were resting before they went into the little stream. Yeah, it was, it was a temple. Okay. I so think the then, bones I think those were two I'm I could be wrong. I have not like gone back to re-listen to that part. But my understanding was the bones they saw were like in the tunnels as they were going down. Like oh, the okay. implication to me being like bones from these tunnel worms that like you know oh oh okay. and then i don't know if there were bones mentioned in the temple there might there might have oh, been okay but yeah okay well point being though it seems like then like my question then goes in temple to whom like who yeah. is the temple for and is that identity connected to why there is like maybe it was a temple to a primordial because i mean this was true true here's here's what's interesting this was Ruidus was part of Exandria, right. right? So like, was there some collateral damage when they, you know, popped it out of the, popped it out of the earth? Like, were there some like, I don't know. I, it's just interesting to me. I'm like, it's very interesting who this temple was for. They didn't, they didn't notice any icon iconography to like a certain deity, though they also didn't ask or look, which I think would have been interesting if they did. Yeah. Um, and it, I think what's tough is I, this almost feels like one of those things that you, we may not ever really get an answer on either though. I hope we do. Cause I'm very curious about it. Yeah. It could be like a campaign wrap up type of question. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a good point of who the, who the temple is to. Um, I imagine like, I mean, who knows why this area of Exandria became Rudis? Like, is it because, that's where they happen to like corner Pradathos at the moment of, of making this happen. Or was like that, a, was that area chosen for a specific reason? Like could that temple, like whatever God that was worshiping, whoever those people were, was that, were they like a willing sacrifice? If you will, like we know like this has to be done. We're doing it for the good of mankind. Or was it like, hey, sucks that you guys happen to be in this area, but like that's where Ruidus is going to be. Um, I'm curious because if it's the it's, former, that would be interesting too, right? Like, yeah, like a certain well, god's peoples were like, yep, we're doing it. And maybe those are the what became the Rylorans or something, you know? True. I mean, I don't know how I don't know the square footage of Ruidus, but it's decently big. Yeah. So I mean, it the chances of them like plucking it out of Exandria, like excising it without there being some blowback. It, I feel like it's very unlikely. Um, I just don't know which situation it is like in terms of what you're talking about. Yeah. So, Cause it could, but, I guess it could be just an abandoned temple too, but I don't know. I don't think, I don't think so though, given the, uh, like Lana found that doll there and like, True. you know, there were the different magical protections in place. Uh, but I mean, I don't know what you meant by abandoned, but it could have been like a temple that was in use that 
everyone's like, we got to get out of here type of thing. Like that's that. Okay. I didn't know if you meant yeah. like, like this town from this episode where it just like had been long abandoned type of thing. No, I meant like, Hey, um, I can't say what, but something really bad's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably should get out of here and yeah. don't go towards Craveras. Just <laughs> FYI. I can see that. So, <laughs> you know, oh, that's interesting. You, you think Craveras was a city on Exandria first? I, I almost wonder if it's, um, whatever was at the Tishtan excavation site. Yeah. That's interesting. If that was, if that's like, you know, if it was, cause the Tishtan excavation site is a crater essentially. Yeah. Uh, well, actually they, did they dig that out or was it already there? I can't remember. I think it's hard to like, they did dig it out cause it was like an excavate, like an archeological yeah. excavation. Yeah, okay. Um, we know yeah. that the Tishtan people like were going around Exandria doing stuff. Um, so that, that site might've just been a site where like a proto Malleus key was being built as yeah. opposed to like the site of Ruidus being yeah. extracted from the earth. But it, yeah. it could have been as well though. There is that one fan art, like during the art reel of like the big chunk of earth coming out of like the ocean. But I don't know like mm. how canonical we, we can get with that that artwork like maybe it is incredibly yeah. accurate but it also just might be right like a fun rendering of what might have happened yeah um but yeah i'm so <clears throat> i'm very curious about all of this as well um if well to, to kind of circle us back a little bit the fact that if if this portal was always there it's kind of hard to believe for like such like lewdness literally like planned for hundreds and hundreds of years to make this happen. It's like, Oh, if only he'd have known, like there's a portal here. Like, um, <clears throat> I don't know, but I, uh, I'm curious to see if Keyleth and, and those people do come through. Not that we would be privy to that. Like that would happen off screen. I'm sure, especially since bells, hells are, you know, already off doing their own thing, but we might learn more about it through them. Um, like if they reconvene with her, like we might get some info, info about that temple or, stuff that way but that might just be helpful thinking i feel like in the very least it gives them a, a shorter reason to rescue uh vax yeah from the true. Um, malleus game because now there's a there's another way true though i guess there is the risk like if you disconnect the bloody bridge does that close yeah, does the, the portals yeah that's yeah it's an interesting so, thought yeah i wonder if I, I'm actually a bit surprised that they didn't like pull the trigger on that a little bit sooner. Cause like the bloody bridge is what's holding Rudis there. It's like what's converging all the ley lines. You would almost think like, Hey, we should probably remove this ASAP. And then I hopefully fingers crossed Rudis just tumbles back out into space. Yeah. Um, but I guess Keel is a bit biased on that plan. So definitely that aspect of it for sure. But I also just wonder like, since lewdness is already there, like, like maybe like kind of the damage has been done. Like you take away the bloody bridge, you take away like the path of teleport, but like with the hole punched in to the divine gate and lewdness there, it might be like, well, he might be able to set Pradathos off. Even if we, like, even if we get rid of the bloody bridge, like it might be too late, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just a, like, they don't know if that's the case. So maybe they just can't take that risk. Um, but that is a fair point. I wonder if, <clears throat> I mean, it would make for a great one shot, but I don't know if there's like the space for that. 
in terms of like okay yeah that's interesting like i mean not that you couldn't retroactively revisit this as a one shot but in terms of like and again not that it's not something that everybody could just kind of hand wave away but like the canon of like the one shot to save vax but like we already know like if campaign three is over like we kind of already know what happened there um so i don't know if there's like the space for it but i think that would be really cool um like get the gang back together for a, a reunion type of one shot. It'd be a Vox Machina one shot. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a, <clears throat> like a not yeah. So not Bell's House, but uh, like a, a Vox Machina reunited type. I meant, yeah, I think you meant like a Bell's House reunion app. Like oh no, you know, did we forget something? <laughs> like <laughs> what about that one? We, dude? we have to go back. <laughs> um, so. but. Speaking of the the back door, kind of aside from the the Vax angle, but like, do you think they're gonna try to move an army through this back door? Like, cause it is no. very convenient, but like, that's not very realistic. I feel like. No, I don't think so. So, like, I best think... case, it's just like a quick in and out for like the surgical teams. Yeah, I think so. I mean, on the flip side, though this is such like a trope, but the good guys are pretty dumb. I mean, they don't really have a good option here. I mean, you can't, we know the bloody bridge is a standstill. They can't really attack from that way. It feels risky to go through the back door because we don't even really know. Like we don't even know if it's, if it's something special about bell's hells that allowed them to really utilize it, you know, with fern specifically. So I don't know. It doesn't feel very cut and dry to me. Um, I will just quickly say that the bloody bridge being a standstill, I think is like by design. Like, I think they plan on sieging that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like they're being chill. So we'll be chill till we can figure out more and less of a, like, we can't take the bloody bridge. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I guess we don't know. Um, But yeah, like, I wonder if even like, you know, Keel is a very powerful druid. They have a lot of very powerful people on their side. Mm-hmm. If they all showed up to that town, they could like completely excavate the lake and widen the portal, maybe depending on how it works. So like, maybe it could be more feasible, but that creature is still there, right? Yeah. They, like, they put didn't like kill an, uh, it. No, they put like a, they put the skull on like the dock with like some papers from the clerk's office being like, yeah, don't go in the water. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully so. that message is received. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, um, okay. So they're back on Ruidus. We got the detail of the flare, which was kind of cool. Um, and we know the flare is orchestrated by the weave mind. Thank you. Yeah. Not just the Imperium, but the weave mind who they're like the elite echelon of the Imperium. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, okay. And we're not really clear on why they happen yet. Other than it seems like there are some boons that are granted. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we don't know, but it also kind of feels like how Ruidus borns are born. Like, you know, if you're born under a flare, oh, so like, that's right, actually, you're I right. think, but, it, but yeah. I mean, at this point in the story, surely they're not playing that <laughs> long of a game, like in our <laughs> next like generation. Ludus is like, how much longer do I need to stall? Give me 30 years. Yeah, like we need at least nine Wait, months. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Because I think when the, 
I can't remember their names right now. The, 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 the other race on Ruidus, the podling people. I don't remember what they're yeah. called. Right. But I felt like they said that they like shared a vision. Like they, they all like communally had a vision or watched somebody's dream during the flare. But I don't know if I made that up. No, you're right. It was something, um, this is one of my catch up episodes. Um, it was something about how the weave mind, they used the flares to like give them like shared yeah, dreams or something. And there was like some kind of like implication of like propaganda about it. Yeah. So, um, but I, I just remember the details. So that's what I was thinking is that like, not only do they potentially create ruidus borns or whatever and give people the buffs, but it feels like a tool of like subjugation, especially if, you know, you feel euphoric right. when it's happening. Um, but I was curious when that happened, I was like, oh, are we going to, are Imogen slash Fern going to be like, we had this vision, but they didn't like, they didn't tell us anything that they saw. So I wonder if they're just like, wasn't space for it in that moment, or maybe that just didn't happen this time. Or maybe they don't yeah, remember. I mean, I don't know. And they didn't even get, they didn't like make a saving throw either. It was just like, yeah, here you go. So that also makes me very curious about, um, the trustworthiness of Fern mm. and Imogen long-term. Like yeah. how are they going to resist the power of the flare long-term? Dang, like, yeah. Like what if there's like a big battle happening and like, right. they're like release the flare and right. Right. At the very least could take them out of the fight or at the worst could turn them against everyone else. If, you know, if it's like a, you know, you're feeling like so euphoric that it's like, why? Like, you turn against everyone else. Like, cause like, I got to keep this going type of thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Hang on. My kid's banging on the door. So one sec, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to look through my notes real quick to see if I can <clears throat> find that part about what the, the, I still want to call them a podling person. Um, but what that guy said, so I'm pretty sure they said, they said they had the vision. Um, Ooh, something else looking through my notes here. I need to remember to talk to him about is all those sending spells. Okay. We all sorry for the, the dead air right now. Um, but very curious, as always, of course, on y'all's thoughts on all of this, specifically around the portal situation. Like we we talked about that for like 30 minutes. Um, but do you guys think the portal was was always operational, even when and I know we keep using divine gate, which is not like the best terminology there, but again, Rudis is divine gate, if I can call it that. Do you think the water portal worked this whole time, or it only worked once they broke through with the Malleus key? Oh, and I remember something else I wanted to say to Blake. Dang it. Um, I'm definitely going to forget these things. Um, But the fact that it is in a Silra also seems like not nothing. Everything okay? It had to show me some crafts. Nice. <laughs> so show me the loot haul for the day. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple things before I forget. Uh, I think I started this and I never finished it. This thought. But I liked the kind of the in-universe, potential in-universe explanation for why that portal was never found being this creature in the lake. Because, like, 
no one's really lived around long enough to go like report back about this portal because no one's ever made it out of here alive. So I don't know if Matt like did that intentionally to any degree, but in my mind, I liked that. That's why I feel like, I mean, it, this could be just a deep level of coincidence. Yeah. But that's why I wonder if it was there before the Malleus key, before the bloody bridge, because it almost feels like a guard dog. It almost feels like yeah. I don't want, I don't want anyone finding this portal. So like lewdness put it there. I don't know. Maybe you know we know people haven't have disappeared five years ago. So it's been a it's been there for a long time. Yeah. You know at least five years. So I I don't know. It's just very interesting. It's there's just there's too many coincidences for yeah. it to be random lake with a random monster that happens to be right in front of a portal. Too ruinous, you know, I just, yeah. In a Silra, in a Silra. Exactly. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I think even I if it's know. not literally Ludinus's hometown, I do think there's, I think it's close, but again, I don't necessarily think that Ludinus found that as a kid, but maybe he wouldn't have had to have found it as a kid. Maybe he just found it at some point. Um, yeah. I don't and maybe know. it's one of those things where they knew there was something special about the Tishtan excavation site. Maybe just like in, um, you remember how when they were in uh, going to Hydroga's Manor and they, I can't remember the area they went through, what it was called, but outside of Drasar, um, mm-hmm. in the Hartmore Manor on the way, on the way to, through the Hartmore, mm-hmm. Matt explained how there were like fey, not flare ups, but just like fey intrusions. Again, not his words, but basically the way he described it was, it was almost like the fey and the material plane were like not converging, but kind of like that. Like the barriers were a lot thinner here than mm-hmm. elsewhere. Is it possible that like lewdness or someone else found that like this spot by the lake, maybe it wasn't back then a portal to Rudis, but like he could tell there's something special about the spot. Like the barrier of the gate is thinner here. Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but you know, I mean, it's me. Stranger things have happened than that. So like I I wouldn't be surprised. Um but yeah, not not to not to circle us back to that because I know we talked about that at length, but um I, when while you were gone, I I was asking people in the comments to let me know their thoughts on what they think that whole situation was. Um yeah. but another thing, I forgot where we were, I forgot what we were talking about in the moment. Uh so if you remember, feel free to to throw us back there. But I was also gonna briefly bring up the sending spells. Um, cause that's weird. Like yeah. they go back to Exandria and it works, but it previously didn't work even on Exandria. And then they go back to Ruidus and it weeks. Right. Yeah. So it's not, what I'm saying by that is it's not as if, oh, they're back on Exandria. So it works again because it originally didn't work there, yeah. but then they go back to Ruidus and it doesn't work again. I don't get it. My first my first thought was like maybe it's because they were on the other side of Exandria, but that doesn't check out because uh team Asilra originally were yeah. over in that part of the world and it didn't work for them. And also we don't know where Caleb and Jester are. But like or maybe Caleb's not a good example because they messaged him, but Jester at least messaged them and she right. like who knows what part of the world she's on. Uh so I just didn't know, do you have any like I can't Rationally, I can't put the pieces together to figure out why it would have worked in that small pocket and not anywhere else. 
So it not working in Rudis almost feels like you put foil around the ball and you start to like rip off pieces of it. Yeah. Like you're breaking the barrier, but you're still like behind the foil, whatever, like being back on Rudis, maybe you, it's still like, you can't get messages out as easily. Yeah. It doesn't explain the former though. The former is interesting of uh, it. Ha- messages hadn't worked on uh, sendings, hadn't worked on Exandria for like weeks and now it does. So, and also, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like Caleb and Jester and Keyleth were also like, this works again. Yeah. So it wasn't as if, like, you know, it had come back online while Bell's Hells were gone. And now, since they're back, they can my, use it. My first thought was like the bloody bridge had been severed. Like they did something. Yeah. But. The reason I don't think that is because when they contacted Keyleth, Keyleth wasn't Keyleth wasn't like, oh yeah, we just attacked the bloody bridge and we destroyed the Malleus key. And mm-hmm. that's why she was just like, wait, what? So, yeah. so it seems like nothing str- strategically speaking has changed. So either a, something's happened that we don't, Matt hasn't clued us in as to what, or B, maybe it really was what we first guessed like way back when the party split on this this apogee solstice has created like this magical interference. And then over time it'll slowly dissipate is what we guessed. And maybe, maybe it has been over time. It is weird that it's almost been like a light switch. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it suddenly works again. And like, everyone's figuring this out at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, cause in that, that's where it gets tough. Cause on some level it's a D and D game. And if Matt needs the open world communications to be on again, he's going to turn them on again. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But if there is like a method to the specific madness, I'm very curious what it is. And like, could it at all be that there's something unique about Bell's Hells? Mm. Who knows if other, well, I guess other sendings probably work because presumably Caleb sent a met or Caleb and Jester communicated somehow. And so if they're not literally together, then he had to have gotten word to her. So maybe it's not a unique Bell's Hell situation. I don't know. But yeah, I, was, I mean, I, was I don't very know curious works. Like, can Caleb message her and be like, someone talk to me and her know how to reach that person? Well, I can't, I can't remember if Caleb has sending. That's the first issue that I'm. Yeah, that I don't I'm think at. he does. So, because if they're not together, I mean, maybe he knows enough people to get a message to. I mean, he does. He knows enough people to get a message to Jester. <laughs> um, but if you know, like, a description of somebody, like you've seen it in this campaign, even like they'll describe right. somebody That's to right. Imogen, and then she'll reach That's out. Right. So they just must. He must have just given Jester a description of Imogen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But in any case weird weird circumstances with the sending right now right yeah i don't know you guys have to let us know what you think yeah um Um, here's a question because i don't remember what happened so ashton did his you know mudsliding action Mm -hmm. whatever it's called he took two points of exhaustion yeah which you know is wild that's rough this isn't the one D and D they don't do the one D and D version of exhaustion. I don't think, um, which the one D and D version, the new, the new system is, um, every point of exhaustion, you get a minus one to your roles. Basically. Um, the old one, 
uh, let's see, disability on a disadvantage on ability checks and speed halved. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take a third one, basically, if you get to six, you die, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty rare. But uh, question though, it was a greater restoration is what he needed. Did FGG mention? Oh, I have that. And did FGG use that on him? I don't know if he if if it was used yet, but I he does have it. Yeah, okay. Because he offered, but I don't know if it was actually casted. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't um, know either. But, I mean, thank goodness they have that because that's two days. Like, you got to rest two right. nights to get rid of that. Um, right. That puts a big timer on things. But they do have greater restoration. But, um, yeah. And then, seemingly, we got confirmation that Orem has the Fey touched feet. With seemingly, yeah, seemingly. Which, let's see here, Fate Touched. Um, you learn Misty Step in one level one uh, spell of your choice, which must which, be from Divination or the Enchantment School of Magic. Wait, didn't he... I might be just making this up, but didn't he Hex something? Hex is, is one of those. Okay, but did he, or am I making that up? I don't remember him casting Hex, but he might have. I might just be making that. Maybe I'm thinking of something have. else. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, oh, okay. I'm glad you brought this up. So not only that, but we found out Chetney's thing is that he's a legendary toy maker now, like mechanically, like he seemingly has that title and can craft toys that do something. Yeah. Um, I'm very <laughs> curious to see what those do. Cause I mean, I, I, I don't think they're going to be crazy powerful, but I bet they are going to, like it almost it, gives the, the the impression of like a tinkerer subclass yeah like yeah yeah create like these items that have utility in combat or something yeah that's totally the vibe i got which is interesting because he didn't fulfill his end of the bargain yet right which we know orum kind of got his gift ahead of the the time because that's like the nature of his deal he wanted strength to protect his friends but chetney it was like I imagined it would be once he brings back the whatever it is he was supposed to bring Prodothos, I guess. Shard of Prodothos. Like yeah. then he would become a legendary toy maker. But it's interesting that he already has that boon. Um also, I'm worried because we we you know, we talked about back when this happened, kind of the monkey's paw wish fulfillment of like a deal with a hag like this. And technically, I think I'd have to go back and listen to the wording. But I think Nanamori's end of the bargain is fulfilled because they all made it back to Exandria safe. You know, like they've already been back now. I don't like that. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if that that's was, exactly how it that was, was Orem's deal. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I switched back over to Orem. Yeah, um, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. So I'm not a fan. Yeah. Y'all let me know if it, I'll probably go back and watch it. But y'all let me know like what the wording was there. Like maybe he included like after we defeat Prodathos or something. But if if that like oh, wordage wasn't yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, he said we all make it because they fought over like back alive. And she said, you know, as you are, you'll make it back. Yeah. And they did. Oh, I don't like so, that at yeah. all. Not a fan uh, of that. Me either. Um <laughs> so that you know, that'll that'll be an interesting thing to see how it plays out even if everything goes well with the rest of the campaign like maybe that would be a bell's hells reunited one shot like (laughs) freeing orum or something i don't know um but yeah interested to see chet's toys 
um, worried about Orem. And also speaking of Orem, uh, not much to say here, but just love the moment uh, between him and Imogen where he just kind of broke down and gave her the huge hug. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I said this in the live chat, but very Twinergy, you know, Vax and Vax there. <laughs> but uh, it's just interesting to see, like, you know, Liam is so good at like those types of like, like he's not, he's RPing, but he's not like saying anything, you know, it's just like pure character. Mm-hmm. Um, movement is a weird word to say. I don't really know what I'm, how to encapsulate it, but uh, like yeah, Orem's just like, we've talked about it, how he's like been slipping into like this darkness. And that felt like the first like kind of breath of fresh air for him in a long time. I know. Um, I, I just thought, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it was kind of the optimistic one. And yeah, I mean, he's been through the ringer. So, though I will say in the live chat, I'm really not happy with Will because when he did the sending spell, sending stone <laughs> to Dorian, Will was like, what if he doesn't respond? And everyone was like, boo. And then that's what happened. So. It was a joke. But Thanks, I am, man. I'm curious about like, I would, I'm glad you said that because do we think that like, I'm of two thoughts here. One is like, he actually didn't respond. And for whatever reason, and we can talk about that or like maybe some element of that wasn't really happening because Orem was like starting to get under the, the lake compulsion. Mm-hmm. So which, which side are you leaning there? Like did Dorian not respond or did he like maybe never even really get that message? I think the latter is plausible. I think the former is more likely that, yeah. Dorian was either unable to respond, which could set up an interesting like one shot later. Um or cuz isn't the last we saw him wasn't he in the cave? Yeah, with uh Dariax, something yeah. something was going on. But didn't we also see an image later of Dariax like in a bar or something like with a drink? Maybe mm-hmm. with uh what's her face? Um Amy Carrero's character. Opal? Yeah. I I don't remember honestly. I can't I, recall. I remember was, what you're talking about. Yeah, but I don't know if that happened before or after the cave. Right. Well, so we there's a data point at least of Dorian in a cave looking kind of haggard. Um, Dariax so, was the one. Like oh, Dorian okay. was there. Like we got mention of like Dorian walking up to him, but like Dariax was like the one the vision was focused on. I think. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but it could be as simple as what Imogen said, like, Hey, it's the middle of the night. Maybe he's asleep. Yeah. So. And I mean, honestly that, you know, Matt obviously wanted to kind of lead to that lake encounter and maybe he didn't want to like ride himself into any corners by revealing anything about what Dorian's going on, got going on right now. So I think it could be completely harmless. And that is the case. Like, Oh, he was asleep. Um, but could also be worse than that. Uh, Right. We're just, we'll have to see. Um, do you think it feels like we, we could be primed to have another guest come on? Like, I don't know, like be it Dorian, if like there is, you know, he can come back or just anyone for like this ruinous arc, if you will. I, I kind I of see, expected it in some of the past being, episodes, but yeah. Yeah. I don't see it being Dorian. However, I would love to have Dorian for like the last batch of episodes. Yeah. Like in the story with, as it started with Dorian there, that would feel right to me. Yeah. Um, I agree a hundred percent. Like from a, from an above the table standpoint, 
hundred percent. I feel like you got to get him back in for like at least a moment, like at the end, you know, because he started it there. Like everybody wants him back. So I think like in a perfect world that like has to be happening, but in the real world with scheduling and all that, like I don't feel confident saying like he'll for sure come back, but I feel like that has to be like, I feel like everybody has to want that. Like, like from was, like, the production know, side, like from their side of things, even I think from a fanfare standpoint, I feel like everyone liked Dorian a lot. Like, it, yeah, yeah, totally. It, it felt really bad when he left. So, I mean, I would love for him to come back to the table in some form. Um, short form, I, I think in the city, I could totally see a guest character being like one of the yeah re- rebel fighters, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, and it being someone new would be my guess. <clears throat> Agreed. It's Agreed. been about. 20 episodes, right? Since Bordor and uh, Utkarsh and uh, Amy were on the show. Yeah. Um, it just so feels like, like a prime, not only like timing wise, but like just story wise, it feels like ripe for like perfect opportunity to bring in a character that also has a natural exit point, like yeah. a character to help them while they're in Craveris, like an undercover agent with the, the rebellion. I can't, do they have a name yet? That I don't remember. Yeah, but like that type of character that's like, yeah, you know, and then, like I said, natural kind of parting point for when Bell's Hells leave to go back to Exandria type of thing. Um, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I just I kind of feel like we're on the the verge of a guest. Yeah. Yeah. I can um, see it. But yeah, uh, looking through my notes here really quick, I think I just remembered where we left off. I think it was the. Uh, exhaustion thing mm. <clears throat> which yeah and that was only me just trying to figure out if, if the greater restoration had been i'm trying to get a sense of like the resources they have yeah and it'd be, it'd be a very powerful expense I guess. yeah especially because there's two of them right like bastion and fern both do it like we need two greater restorations um, right or we need two days uh right what but it was cool to kind of see it in action a bit i'm really curious like what the actual like we know he's got the earth glide or whatever. That's right. Um, and it's powerful enough to make a tunnel. Um, but I'm curious, like what combat wise, what that thing's capable of. Um, I think it was mentioned that like even kneeling down, he was six feet tall. Right. So yeah. like how tall is Ashton in that form? Like, I mean, if you kneel, you're like at least half your height, yeah. right? Maybe like more reduced. So like, he's probably 12, like maybe 15. six and a half. He's probably about six and a half feet, you know, he's got he's bigger on the bottom than he is on okay. the top. So <laughs> kneeling, he just got He's taller, like the Mario basically. guy, but instead of like the tiny head, you know, from the Mario movie, instead of the tiny head, it's like a tiny upper half. Are you talking about side. the Mario movie with like John Leguizamo or the <laughs> yeah, new yeah. one? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know who, which guy. You're one talking. of the, one of the henchmen. Goombas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got like the tiny head. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's I actually really liked that movie as a kid. Like, I'm sure <laughs> it wasn't. Too. I'm sure it like was a terrible movie, all things yeah. considered. But like, as a little boy, that was like Mario. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Blue Streak. You know. Yeah. Well, come on, Blue Streak is just amazing. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> okay. I actually not to get us off subject here, but there's like that whole like era of movies I haven't seen in like yeah 15, 20 years maybe. So like, I would love to like revisit those and see if they at all stand up, there's probably like lots of problematic things. And yeah, I kind of prefer not to go back to those things for that reason. The memories, the, yeah, there's like a very like warm, nostalgic feeling in my mind. And 
It's yeah. kind of like when I rewatch Scrubs with my wife, and you can really see like the humor from the early 2000s, I guess. But some things that you're just like, I hate to hear that because you know I love Scrubs, but I haven't I haven't yeah. watched it in a while. You know, it's a product of its time. Yeah, you know. So, anyway, um, okay. What is there anything else to talk about? Um, uh, yeah, one last big thing on my notes, and it's just this whole Delilah situation. Oh, um, yes, great. <clears throat> not that there's like too much to talk about here, but um, you know, they had a little heart to heart, and uh, it seems like Delilah's just the master manipulator, you know, saying what Laudna wants to hear. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm. We, I mean, we talked about this in our last episode. Like that, that feels like it's gonna come to a boiling point at some point, and I'm just curious, like, what that is. Like, does Delilah fully exert control and like takes over Laudna's body, so to speak, or does it more take the form of Laudna like losing it and having her own agency, but kind of just turning, like, and it's you know. Yeah, I do wonder what the end game is for Delilah. Like, what is she trying to get to? And like this consuming of power, like she's already consumed the Gnarl Rock Shard. And then was there something else? Wasn't there something else or no? What, remember. what the Marowak Shard? Is that what you said? Gnarl Rock. Oh, Gnarl Rock. Shard. Yeah, yeah. So there was that. Um, was there something else? I think there she was. She wanted the Shard of Kamor. Yeah, she or, yeah. No, the Shard of... Uh, Raushan. Yeah. Raushan. Thank you. So no, I don't think there were any other items that were consumed, but there were people, you know, like Bordor and Oh, right. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. that that's the important detail. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like the essences of other people. Um Yeah, I'm wondering like where this goes. To me, what makes sense is just that like that she wants a vessel. She wants a physical body again. And this power will at some point allow her to take over Laudna. That's like my best yeah. common sense line to draw. But like, what does she want to do from that point? Like if she, let's just yeah. assume she gets control. Like what's her end game there? Does she even have one? Maybe she just wants a body and to be able to do her own thing again. But like, is it all, I know you didn't see campaign one, but like you've seen legend of Vox Machina. So you know, the story here, like she had a husband, Silas, yeah. Um, the, yeah. And I, yeah, I picked up all those undertones. Yeah. So like yeah. everything she does, like did, she broke the world for him is one of like the quotes. Um, so could, could this all be in some form to try to bring him back again somehow? Um, I don't know how I she would, but like, yeah, I, mean, I could see that being said, her motivation. She said something like I failed to protect my loved one, not using, she didn't finish the sentence, but I failed to do that. Yeah. Um, but there's something nice about characters who even when they conceptually know what's true they still can't yeah like stop pursuing so i i could totally see her like yeah i failed and yet i'm going to consume these items or people essences whatever to see yeah. if i can i'm gonna keep trying because like what yeah. do i have to lose type of thing yeah the thing that really grossed me out was i hated when she said to Ladna, you know, you've been given a second chance. And she said, like, you've been given a second chance. We both have. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, her first chance <laughs> was gone because you tortured <laughs> you and murdered her. her. Exactly. I know. I was like, what a 
like disgustingly like fake virtuous yeah, comment gaslighter yeah, yes that's that's a good way to put it was like you've been given a second chance after i brutally murdered you yeah <laughs> i'm just like oh this character so it really you know highlights i mean all of these characters are really like broken in different ways um which is interesting i think it makes interesting makes for an interesting story but yeah. Ladna, it has such a tragic I mean, we're, we're literally witnessing her continuation of that tragedy because she yeah. lives in the um, eternally connected, it seems, with her torturer, yeah. her tormentor. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's interesting because in the, that early episode when Imogen was in the library in the conservatory or whatever, and was trying to was reading up about how can you can separate someone from their patron. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost felt like that was like a slight slimmer glimmer of hope of what could unfold during the <clears throat> campaign. Yeah, uh, and that has not been the case. You know, she's continued to be bound to Delilah. Though I guess before she opened herself up to Delilah again, it was Delilah was at least dormant ish. Yeah. I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, definitely. It is tragic. And, you know, it definitely feels like it's going to get a lot worse before it ever could get better. So, and I no guarantee that it'll get better necessarily, um, depending on yeah. where the campaign goes. But yeah. Um, definitely. I think, yeah. Well, and I think on that, we should. I don't know how campaign two ended in, in the sense of where I'm going with this statement, but I, I just kind of wonder if like we should kind of like recognize there may not be a happy ending with some of these characters in the sense of like, maybe the mission overall is successful, but like it's spoilers, spoilers to final fantasy people, final <laughs> fantasy 10, like final fantasy 10 is a great example of the overall mission was accomplished, but it was a tragic end because Titus and Oron and I think just the two of them, you know, basically had to disappear, right? Because they were like, I guess, dreams of past or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, it's a Final Fantasy game. You never really know <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> but um, so I don't know. I'm just <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. Like, I'm not saying like there could be a nice happy ending for sure. But like with all the campaigns, it's not like a fairy tale. The book's closed. Like all of those characters are still doing things in the world, you know? So it's very much... M- more akin to real life where like, yeah, you might have a, a victory, but like that doesn't mean everything's peachy and keen for the rest of time. Uh, and especially with campaign three, like there's definitely been selfless. Isn't the right word, but like selfless or self sacrificial characters in previous campaigns, mm-hmm. but especially in campaign three, I feel like we have half, if not more of the party that would like willingly go for the, like, I'm going to take myself out to help everybody else. So like, mm-hmm. I could definitely see some like PC deaths due to, you know, due to that, like literally Orem easily would do it. Laudna will do it. Imogen and Laudna would do it for each other. FCG has been talking about like making the self-sacrificial play the entire FC- like FCG stop. <laughs> yeah. <please. laughs> um, I think Ashton would do it. Um, yeah. Burn and Chetney are the only ones that I could I could see them doing it, but like that less. Let's so agree. Them. Let's agree. Chetney's the least likely. Chetney <laughs> yeah. be like, uh, 
I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here. Well, I'm going to head out. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big so, softy on the inside. Uh, <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of our conversation today. Um, overall, a great app, you know? Um, I do. I, one last one thing I wanted to make sure to say, um, and it's maybe not even worth saying, but I am because I am so cognizant of I don't say, criticism, I guess, around critical role. I, I would just say, like, something I really liked about this episode is that ambient first half that didn't add anything to like the overall narrative. But again, just makes such freaking good D and D. Yeah, it's just so fun. And um, no one asked what I thought about it, but I just, as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, like, it's really fun that they are able to do this and enjoy this. You know, Matt took what could have been just a random, like, hey, he found a portal and made it really interesting and yeah. engaging and terrifying. And you know, I learned what a false hydra is, and <laughs> you know, just very cool. Yeah, so. totally agreed. Anyway, um, all right, uh, squad, let us know what you thought about this app in the comments. Um, don't forget, we will have our watch party tomorrow night for Candela. Um, in the Discord, we have a watch, uh, a Sunday fun day movie night, Sunday night, seven thirty. Uh, right, seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. We got to get these times. Yeah, man. I'm always <laughs> lost now. And then Friday's live stream at one o'clock. Um. I'm going to be putting Will. Yeah, you still under, got me nervous. Under the, under the spotlight. You got me nervous with whatever that means. Oh, anyway. um, I think that does it. Yeah. You know, appreciate you hanging out with us as always. But um, we will yep. see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>